How do you avoid becoming a victim of the changing times? Stay tuned and find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. What is up? What is up? What the hell is up, my Dark Horse friends and family? Welcome back to your weekly dose of powerfully differentiated entrepreneurship learning. That was a mouthful. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you, as you already know, that is infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or one in the making. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business tips and results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And man, got another big episode for you today. Today, Kurt Casino shares how and why you must evolve yourself and your business now, as well as how you are communicating that message to your tribe and how often you should refresh that message. Plus, I'm going to let you in on next week's interview episode guest who was and still is the guitarist for the Steve Miller Band, and it's also stepped into the entrepreneurship ring. As per usual, the Dark Horse Corrals are chock full of personal, business, and marketing G-O-L-D spilling from every corner of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, and my Dark Horse friends and family, today's guest... Kurt Casino. Now, Kurt's the founder of Hype Life Brands, which is a progressive uh, brand development and marketing agency helping B2C lifestyle startups and consumer-focused brands powerfully engage the millennial generation. Kurt's agency is now headquartered in Southern California in the coastal town of Oceanside. Now, Kurt's company specializes in building, launching, and growing B2C and D2C lifestyle brands and startups, and they're finely tuned for that ever-elusive millennial generation. He's got some other things going on, but I want to steal all the story, so let's get right to it, shall we? Let's get to the starting gates and go. All righty, Kurt. Welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm glad to have you. I know we were just uh, chitty chatting a little bit about uh, where you live at in, in Southern California and all the beauty that, and, and surfing, be it uh, sidewalk surfing or real surfing uh, that, <laughs> that comes with it. But uh, uh-huh. I do, like I just said, I, I want to step back from the mic and let you tell your story, the good, the bad, the ugly, the road traveled uh, that so many entrepreneurs can uh, can learn from. And then we'll just go from there. Sure, sure. Um, so my story, uh, is probably, I would say 20, trying to think 25 years or so in the making my journey. And it's been a, it's been a really exciting one. Um, you know, not always easy, but always, you know, always interesting. And, you know, there's definitely a sense of satisfaction from, um, you know, creating where I am today out of basically my idea and my vision for what things could look like maybe or something Mm -hmm. like that. So, um, I am a I'm an only child born in the Midwest, born in Kansas City, Missouri. Go Chiefs, Royals, etc. <laughs> so a couple things checked off my bucket list there. Finally, um, so I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I'm an only child, and so I had a lot of free time on my hands. I think at a young age, and I come from a a long line of engineers, and so, but I also had to always had this really creative side to me um, as well. So I'm definitely a left and right brain, whole brain thinker, systems thinker type of guy. Sure. Um, and so from the earliest age, I had like this, these entrepreneurial desires. And so I started little businesses when I was little, like I was making crappy greeting cards on a, you know, those old printers with like the butterfly right. things on the sides and yep. print, designing them on a monochrome monitor and printing them out and selling them to like my grandma and my family and stuff like that. And then I started a mowing business later and got a bunch of clients in my neighborhood, customers. And I was doing that before I could drive. I was probably 14, you know, doing flyering, getting, you know, scheduling, getting a job done, getting paid, um, you know, that sort of thing. And then uh, I was really heavy into music. So then I started an independent record label um, nice. and I kind of took that all the way into college. So I initially started with my own bands I was involved in and an electronic act that I was involved in. 
Um, and basically started to evolve that. And I thought, man, you know, cause I'm so into design and European design and the creative side of this and, and taking something that's just like an idea and packaging it visually and just what it's, what it's called, how it's presented to the world. I was one of those, those kids who like opened up the CD packaging and like ripped the whole thing apart. I, I would look under the jewel case for like a, an Easter egg, you know, and right. Um, even, even if the jewel case was black, I would still pull it up open and sometimes I'd find something. I loved that stuff. And I, and I still do to this day. Um, thankfully, vinyls having a resurgence. I've always been a vinyl collector. So I've got a bunch. I was going to make mention of it. I see that record yeah. player in the back there behind you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see the collection, but it's kind of scattered all over the office here. Nice. Um, and uh, anyways, so that sort of thing. I love that. And just bringing that presentation around something that is almost like an intangible idea. Um, so I took the, I took the record label and then went into college. Um, I went to and graduated from university of Missouri, Columbia, zoo mm-hmm. tigers, if you're into that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. sports, whatever. <laughs> so I did that. And then I, I kept evolving it even before I got to college thinking, man, it would be so cool. Like just to have a whole production outfit that, you know, since I'm so heavy on this, like tech and this creative side that could basically handle the design, the branding, the the visuals, the marketing, all the production, you know, printing or whatever it is we're doing for the artists. And then the artists could be on the label and do their thing. And then it's like this self-feeding system. So I did that for a while. It worked pretty well. Um, but then at some point, I think in college, I started to realize what a, uh, and I still love music to this day. And one of our biggest and best clients is in the music space. But um, I learned that the record label thing was a bit of a, a money pit uh, time sink and the design and web and all these things I was getting into, I was starting to get, you know, contracts, part-time jobs on the college campus doing it. And it was just like evolving. So I grew up on that curve. I mean, I feel like to this day, I'm still on the curve, but like the very beginning of tech, of the internet, of AOL, GeoCities, I, my dad had CompuServe and was like playing around with it. Sure. Um, you know, he was a tinker or you know, he is a tinker and he was always getting that sort of stuff. So I got to play with a lot of that stuff in the earliest days. I mean, one summer, my dad threw a programming book at me and said, why don't you do this? You know, I was like basic or something like how to program in basic. So naturally I was like, uh, okay, whatever. I'd never seen a programming book, but uh, that's kind of got me into doing eventually doing HTML and then getting into building databases and then doing more dynamic coding and and eventually, you know, today I have a team of people that do all these things that sure. I manage, but there's a lot of programming and coding and software engineering between this story and today that I've done or I've managed. So, okay. um, so anyways, I split the two off. And then in 2001, uh, what is today called Hype Life Brands was born. So I spun off, I, I took the record label, split it out, took the design side basically launched it at the time. It was more of a design firm, um, but we did focus on web and branding and creative and tech. Um, and then today, at that time, there was no social media, things like that. Today, of course, that has evolved and we have evolved. And so that journey has taken me from you know Kansas City, Missouri to Col- Columbia, Missouri, then back to Kansas City, Missouri, uh, where I started my agency. And then eventually about 10 years in, as I mentioned before we started, sure. I opened up a second office in Los Angeles. I moved to the West Coast, um, eventually shut down the KC office, have a couple of people from there that still work as a part of our team to this day. Um, and then eventually I met my wife in Los Angeles, had a little boy, now I have two, um, and we moved down to Oceanside, California, which is, for those who don't know, within spitting distance of Los Angeles and almost the same to San Diego and uh, here and, you know, coastal and we're uh, doing lots of exciting things. And, you know, 2020 was an interesting year, but we moved a lot of mountains during COVID. So, you well, know, never still, ending journey. You're still, you'll still around and still chatting with us with a, with a bit of a smile on your face. So yes. obviously you moved some mountains. Uh, I think everyone yes. would agree Thankfully. that uh, 2021 was, uh, it was challenging for everyone. I think 2020 is still following a lot of that rhythm, but people have, uh, bounced back for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. So they're, ready yeah. To go. they're getting there. It's like a, you know, in our world, it's, there's a whole rhythm to the year. I will yeah, yeah. save that for another chat, but right. The whole Absolutely. rhythm to the year. That's still not 
it's not locked in. It's like the wheels are spinning. So exactly. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the wheels to catch. And then it's like, we're off. The it, it's it's we're, like when you we're in California too. So, you know, how our rules here, I mean, we just came out of a, like no eating inside quarantine lockout type of thing. Uh, probably like a month ago. Yeah. You guys were like home imprisonment. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm thankful of everything we have set up here for some, I never envisioned that happening, but, you know, we're all designed to work remotely. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, you know, and I live five minutes from my office. So, you know, I was able to sneak in here because I was the only person here working. So nice, you know, so you, you, in in your story, what I, one of the things I did hear is that you, you're a, you have that entrepreneurial gene, let's call it because you were doing things like uh, a number of the folks I've been lucky enough to have on the show that they're like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was doing this. I know I was a hustler when I was a kid, I was selling pencils in elementary school and drawings later on painting cars. Um, you, now you, you mentioned your mowing business and I made mm-hmm. myself a little note here. I had to ask the question. You started off doing the mowing the yards as you got more clients. Did you start hiring other kids to mow the yards for you? Uh, I didn't go. I did not go that far. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm always a quality control stickler, so I can look nice. back and see, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to delegate you, it that far. You had a lot, you but, had lots of free time back then anyway. So yeah, it was all good. Yeah. So here, I had, here's, it's funny because I had terrible, I had terrible hay fever. Uh-huh. And in this, in Southern California, I've, I really haven't had almost any issues whatsoever. One mm-hmm. of the reasons when I visited when I was younger that I was like, I'm Coming I'm moving here, here yes. someday. <laughs> now back in Kansas City, it's terrible. So like if I'm mowing the lawn, I mean, I would just have like a, almost like a full body rash. And my oh, dad man. would always say, Oof. my dad always say like, oh, you don't have any allergies. You're fine. Just, <laughs> oh, no. You know, yeah. Just suck it. Thanks, dad. I, mean, I remember. Yeah, I remember being like laid out on my bed after mowing sessions and stuff, just like waiting for this to go away. So it's funny, but anyways, yeah, brutal. I, I so, eventually moved on to. So, so later on, things. you uh, you you kicked off that independent record label, right? Which mm-hmm. I, I think is cool as hell, right? I'm I'm a big music guy. Played guitar and dabbled with the drums in, in the teenage years. Was in the you know you're in the garage band and you know oh. I'm going to be a rock star, but you went mm-hmm. to a different path uh, and took that to, to create uh, another avenue for the bands that you were, that you were interested in or a part of, I guess my question becomes what makes you think at that early age, I can start a record label. I think it was really the, at that point I had already had two uh, for me at the time, pretty, you know, like serious businesses. Sure. Um, and so for me, this was just a natural progression because I was already learning to play uh, guitar. I was doing, um, actually, I'll, I like to leave a, a little gem on different podcasts I'm on. So the first instrument I learned to play, this is okay. your gem. Well, one of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first instrument I learned to play was actually the clarinet. And I was the first chair. And of course, I played the clarinet because my mom had a clarinet and she played the clarinet. And of course, oh, as, a, as a kid, and I'm seeing my children crawling through everything that, you know, we own. Right. I would naturally was like, Hey, what's this? And she said, Oh, it's a clarinet. Here's how it works. And I was like, I, I said, cool. I want to do that. Now I hadn't discovered my dad's guitar guitars, which were tucked right. away elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And then I realized, you know, it would be cooler to play the guitar. And then I found my dad's guitar and I started to play it when I was little, I remember my fingers bled because I didn't have calluses and his <laughs> guitar strings are probably hadn't been changed in 15 years. So right. anyways, but I learned to play, but uh, I learned to play classically. Mm-hmm. So and that was a choice I made. All my friends in like junior high era were taking rock lessons. And I always thought, well, that's stupid. I mean, what, so you can play a Nirvana riff. I don't need to take a lesson to play a Nirvana riff. What are you going to do with that? I wanted to learn to write and create and actually play. So I remember the very vividly, the decision for me was, do I do classical or do I do jazz? The two hardest forms. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I chose classical was because you use finger picking. So I thought, what a weapon I'll be. I'll have five picks instead of one. Yeah. So so that's how I ended up doing that. And I worked with a great teacher and he obviously he had a rock background too. So he could, we could like play around at the end of the lesson and stuff. Right. And yeah, I started writing, I started writing and recording music and performing live and recording albums and demos and all this stuff, like before I could drive a car. So that's, 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 that's freaking you know, awesome. guitar. Yeah. And then I got into electronic music at a very early age. Cause I was already studying all this European 
design and just like everything from Europe was always so much cooler than what we had in the US. Um, and, and might still be, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, um, Jury's still out on that one. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, and I've always kept the foot in music too. So I don't know if you caught anything in my bio, but I actually have a radio show to this day focused on electronic music um, and bass music, which is kind of like some of my passions. And so I've built that up for over three years. And nice. now I have a whole bunch of affiliate stations that play and air the show, heard in a hundred countries, that sort of thing. So That's I'm still awesome. in music. That is I'm awesome. Still in, music, yeah. I, I, in my in my spare time. I, I'm I'm a huge music fan. Obviously, well, not obviously. Um, behind me, you can't see it. Is I have my little drum set. Over the years, I put down my guitar and found mm-hmm. that I really resonated with the drums. No pun intended. Um, mm-hmm. But and I really started picking it up more seriously in the past couple of years. I, and, and here's the cool story. And then we'll get back to you. My wife and I, we love going to, you know, uh, garage sales, you know, these little events uh, that where people, they all go get get together. Well, there's one here for the local um, animal shelter and it happens once a year and they'll get a big space and everyone donates things and all the money goes to help the animals. Awesome. So we're at this one, we're walking through and it's like at a convention center down the road here and we're walking through and here sits this beautiful uh, Alyssa's electronic drum set and you know i mm. I, I quickly I, I get onto ebay and i'm looking up the price of this thing and it's like a 1200 drum set and the dude oh, yeah. wanted <laughs> the dude wanted 300 bucks for it and i'm like sold yeah and i'm like okay well now i have this beautiful piece of equipment let's learn how to really use it you know i'd yeah. always played you know rock band and then you toy with the drums when you're playing in the garage bands but to really learn it and it, oh, it has been such a blast there was a time here recently. I was I was mad. I was just pissed off from some events that happened. I came up here, sat down on the drums for a little while, like an hour, and I walked out here. I had a big smile on my face. All the anger was gone. I'm like, this is awesome. Oh yeah, it's cheap yep. therapy. <laughs> yeah, I I can resonate with that. The uh, I had sold it. I because it was replaceable, but yeah, I would do the same sometimes with my Marshall half stack. Uh-huh. And my uh, I had a TSL 1000 that was screamed. So yeah, and I'm a Les right. Paul. I'm a Les Paul guy. Just so uh, clear. No. Just so, so we're not, all right, all right. There's, <laughs> I was playing the band. I was playing the band. The other guy that I played with in two different bands, and he's a really great player and songwriter and singer. Uh, he was always a Fender guy. So I was like, okay, you do your Fender thing. You do your and thing. The, tone, the tones <laughs> together work really well. Yeah. So it was just nice to have that variety, and I was like, I'm, that's awesome. I'm Gibson all day long. So nice. That's awesome. So here's a question. As I was going through some of the uh, the content you did share with me for your bio, there were there were two. There was a phrase in there, and I I, I want to ask you about it. it. You called your uh, your company, which was Hype Brands, right? You called it Hype Life. Uh, Hype, Hype Life. Life excuse brands. me. Hype Life yeah. Brands. All right. Thank you for correcting me there. You called it a, a lifestyle startup. What does that mean? Yes. So it's not a lifestyle startup, but we build lifestyle startups. So we, there work, we, go. A lot. Right. we work a lot with um, startup founders, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a natural chemistry with leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, those sorts of people um, that I understand what they're going through. And sure. I'm, still leading, I'm still leading a business too. And also I feel like that entrepreneurial spirit is something that is baked into you, born in you or something. Yeah. And you, you carry that all through life. You know, you see things differently. You see better ways to do things. You see more efficient ways. You see the status quo and you think what's over here, exactly. uh, you know? And I think that's part of what always has driven me was like, I never wanted to be the guy that had the nine to five job where I have to answer to, you know, my manager and, you know, hope that I get a raise for 3% in a year and or a nice, you know, that's all, that's just not for me, you know? Um, And I, I did it out of college for about a year and three quarters, but just as a stopgap to get my agency going and I, and I accomplished that. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's the, the big thing is really building those new, we build new brands, lifestyle focused, consumer focused type of brands. I don't like to use the term consumers. I like to say humans. So not right. B2B, but B2C or B2 
H. H. I'm going to have to start <laughs> coining that term. There you go. Um, or direct to human as a lot, there's a lot of people doing that now, independent brands. So, so we know how to guide them through that journey and whether it's a, an existing company entity that's spinning off a new brand there's, uh, or that's a, just an entrepreneur with a big idea and enough capital to, you know, to get us going so we can start working together and building sure. a strategy and look and feel and go to market plan and handle, we handle all the tech and, and then we flip into marketing mode when we're ready to launch to market. And then we start growing that thing because that's what it takes. Even if you do or do not want to, to raise capital, venture capital, whatever, like you have to show that customer traction. You're yeah. not going to get funding almost 99.8% of the time off of having a great idea and a great vision and not a dollar of skin in the game. You know, yeah. it just doesn't work like that. It's one of the biggest startup farces uh, out there for sure. So, so we work with the, the few there um, and then, you know, CEOs, VPs of marketing at, you know, more established companies if they want to spin off a new brand or they also have, you know, challenging marketing and brand challenges, issues, things they want to tackle. Those are, those are the type of stuff we like the, the hard nuts to crack, so to speak. So that's what we like to do. He's looking for challenges, y'all. So uh, you, don't, <laughs> you want to stick around. So when he drops where to, where to connect with them, you can reach out. Someone's yes. going to, because you know, someone's listening going, yeah, well, I have a nut you can try and crack because I tell you what. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and one of the things you called out there that is that uh, you target millennials, right? To, well, mm -hmm. let me rephrase. To you're, you're out there to try and gauge the millennial generation, right? Is Primarily, there, yes. Is there a particular reason why you're targeting that? Which I'm all about niching down, right? Get down to your your expertise. Is there a particular reason why you targeted that particular group of folks? Uh, yeah, there is a um, couple reasons. So as we evolved from 2001 to about 2000, like the first half of the journey, I like to say, um, mm -hmm. of, of Hype Life Brands, um, we were always naturally working on things that were very cool, in most cases, mm -hmm. very cool, very progressive. We were attracting a lot of coastal client, even though we were based, coastal clients, even though we were based in the Midwest in Kansas City mm -hmm. at that time. Um, and I think just the type of people that I bring onto the team and definitely myself, um, you know, everyone at their own level and at their own angle are kind of like culture sponges. So pop culture, indie yeah. underground culture, above ground, depends on, you know, who and what their perspective is. But most of the key team, you know, senior team have some sort of vantage point on culture. So, and then basically everybody was a, what well, is a millennial, almost everybody, because they're accountant. And so, um, <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm an elder millennial. So sure. anybody born in the eighties and on up till obviously Gen Z starting point. Um, so it was just kind of a natural evolution. And as I worked through repositioning the agency kind of at the midpoint, I was working with a mentor um, as well. That was really helpful in my entrepreneurial journey, like game changing. Sure. Um, that was some of the stuff that was kind of brought about it was like what, you know, I just wanted to do work that we were solve problems that I and my team are passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're passionate about, you know, disruption towards positive change as the, as kind of the idea like and who better to disrupt than the biggest people group on the planet right now. Um, and a driving force in literally every category, which is, was seven years ago. And even more so every year that goes by is millennial generation, you know, 80 plus million strong. So that's where we wanted, I wanted to focus our work. And I know that brands big and small and startups and, you know, companies that are thousands and thousands of employees have called us to discuss this issue because they don't know how to do it because it's very hard because, you know, millennials are so much different and a lot of the old tricks of the old guard don't work, you know, in the, from the old world mm -hmm. that worked on baby boomers or Gen X doesn't work on millennials because they've grown up on that trajectory I talked about, just like I have. At some point they came in, some of them literally born with a phone in their hand. Others of them, the older side, closer to Gen X, um, like myself, we didn't get born with a phone in our hand, but there was kind of computers around yeah. very early and what they are today and what they were then is like mind blowing. So You're now listening to, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. So yeah, that's, that's how we landed on that. And we've just always dug into that specialization of helping any size brand or 
a startup, you know, position themselves to be able to harness that generation in an authentic way that's powerful nice. and as long, you know, enables them to disrupt in the way that they want to or connect in the way that they want to um, because we know how that is to be done. Nice. Um, and you know, it's funny as, as, as you listen to your answer, it's like, well, yeah, obviously baby boomers are different than millennials, but so often mm-hmm. I, I see, and you probably see it way more than I do, folks out there marketing to a millennial the way they would to a, a baby boomer or even older, you know, and like, uh, mm-hmm. dude, you know, that's not going to work, right? So they, they, <laughs> right? they just, they don't respond right. to that. It's just, a, it's, right. it's, a, it's a different group. It, 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 I use a, I usually, when I'm chatting with someone, I'll use the example of my two daughters. So I have a daughter who was uh, was born in 1990, and I have a daughter who was born in 1995. And those yeah. two alone, it's only five years difference, ladies and gentlemen, but they are so night and day different, and not yep. just their personalities, but their buying habits and their shopping patterns and their the way they use their phone or don't use their phone, completely different because they were in a different era of new tech and everything the younger right. one it, it uh, all the time right yeah on the phone. <laughs> right. everything right right do, do i know uh, uh do i know probably a, doesn't probably doesn't call you or answer the phone call no, it's answer text via text all the time, right? all within the time. 10 seconds right yes. yeah yeah i pick up the phone to call is it dad why didn't you just text me uh yeah because I'm not a millennial that's why <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so if uh, for any of the folks, any of my dark horse entrepreneurs that are listening and they're sitting there thinking, hmm, I probably do need to shift my marketing or even just my messaging, right? Maybe it's not just a marketing thing from the baby boomer style or pre-baby boomer style to uh, a more millennial feel. What kind of couple of tips could you drop for them? Um, I would take a step back and really think about you know, and I, not to be self-serving, but you know, you really got to have, you got to have an outside set of eyes, just yeah. like it's just a conversation. You know, we don't, I have initial conversations with people and discovery sessions, right. You know, it's about, is it, is it going to make sense long-term for you and for us to be working together? But sure. initially I can look at something and say, well, here's what I see based on the questions you're asking yourself. So one of those things I think would be just kind of taking a step back and thinking, with what I know, not, not me, but you, the listener, right. With what I know about these millennials, mm-hmm. um, did I, did, did I have this brand developed, whether it was, I did it myself cause I'm a bootstrapping entrepreneur or I'm at some big company or, or you know, small mid-sized, big, large company. And this was just born a long time ago because right. everything has to evolve. So it's not to say what you did isn't positioned well, you know, or wasn't positioned well then, but things do change and things have to evolve. And so some of these very large corporations that you would recognize all of them that have at least called us to discuss these issues are going, holy crap, you know, millennials are going to be taking over XYZ thing. And that's going to affect this part of our business. And we got to figure out how to evolve and how to reposition our brand you know, so it's not just about branding your mm-hmm. colors and what does your mark, you know, your logo look like and right. even your website. Those are all important, but there's, we look at brand as the start, which is the biggest sort of umbrella and that's both tangible and intangible. And it's kind of like, I, I dumb it down to say, it's what people say about your company or your offering when you're not in the room. How would they describe it? Sure. If they see it and then they go, yeah, so tell me about that. This is what they say, what comes out of their mouth is really what your brand is kind of ha- how it's perceived. Sure. So there's a lot of uh, things that you can do, but I would start there and I would kind of revisit the idea of starting with why, um, which is a big pillar of our brand development philosophy and has been for over a decade. Of course, you're probably familiar with Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't come up with the idea, but we were kind of heading in that direction. And then I, I actually, my mentor introduced me to that book in one of our very first sessions. And I just, I fell in love with it. Cause I was like, this is exactly, this makes complete and total sense to me. Sure. Um, and, and it really is the difference between, I think what powerful differentiated brands put out there in the world and how they evolve. And ones that just stay in the same place and 2020 has kind of sped that up. So we yeah. can now see, 
all these brands that are going by the wayside or going bankrupt, none of them, well, many of them did not evolve at all. You know, like you could look at them now and go back 10 years and it's the same thing. The same, yeah. You know, um, and I think that's one of the big keys, you know, is you, you have to evolve. It's natural. The website yeah. that you made or hired a company to make 10 years ago is irrelevant. <clears throat> um, and it's time to bring it up to speed. And there's lots of reasons, both technical and marketing and brand wise, you know, that you can't keep milking that thing. Um, really, it should be revamped at least every two or three years. Sure. Um, and then where I think another thing to think about if you're at that place is better, you know, trying to define what your why is and then start to rethink how you're communicating that why. And we would boil that down as the core of your messaging, you know, not, not what you do, mm -hmm. but, but why, you know, right. you know, we're, we're like Hype Life Brands. We're dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and leaders create powerful lifestyle style startups and new brands that are tuned for the millennial generation. Why millennials? Because they are already having that huge impact on the world and they're going to be a, a continuously larger and larger part of our shared story. And I would like to see, and my team, I believe, would like to see a better tomorrow, as would we all. And so right. having an impact there gives us something that's much more interesting than a lot of the services and things that we do offer as a part of getting there, mm -hmm. which you can just go to our website and read the bullet point version of under our services at highflifebrands.com. But that's more what and how. Right. And starting with why is what brands like Nike and Apple have done, always done really, really, really well um, in empowering people. And you know, just think of Nike's tagline. A what tagline would be, we make athletic shoes. Uh, their tagline is about, is a command to you yeah. to go and just, just do it. Do it. Yeah. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. doesn't even have to be sports. Nike right. still says, just do it. And they don't even, they don't, they're not even saying buy my shoes. They're just saying, just do it. Period. Yeah. If you're wearing our whoever. shoes, that's cool too, but you know, go just do it. <laughs> right. Right. So uh -huh. I, I hope that that uh, is summarized well, but uh, definitely looking at your why and you can go watch the Simon Sinek did a Ted talk. I always recommend people go watch it. It's on YouTube. It basically summarizes a whole book in 17 minutes. If you don't have time to read the book, just go while you're eating your morning cereal or whatever, avocado doing, toast. Doing your, you know? doing your morning walk on the treadmill, whatever. Coffee, <laughs> yeah. It's a great watch um, and it'll really get you thinking about starting with why is about making an emotional connection with people. Um, and I think that that's where you know, you're able to take a brand and how you do marketing and what things you put out in the world as much as possible. That's how you can make it, you know, triply, triply more powerful than, you know, just doing the same old thing that maybe worked when you were marketing a message, whether it's your company now or your experience was marketing to baby boomers and, you know, even Gen X's, there's a lot of differences there. So it's funny you say it like that. And I don't mean funny, haha. -ha. I think it's kind of cool, funny is that as you were, you know, kind of dropping that knowledge. And then when you got to your brand, right, Hype Life Brands, um, and you, you, and then you just, and when it was just rolling off your tongue, the why, it was like, okay, I felt that, right? Mm. It's like you, you, you're, you're totally vibing with what you're doing and why you're doing it. So the energy just kind of comes out of you as a result of that. And I think brands and and businesses, right? You may not call yourself a brand. You kind of are. Uh, that They're able to do that where they can just whoa, roll it right off their tongue and make somebody feel, oh, I get it. I don't need that service, man, but I totally get it, right? Mm -hmm. um, are, are on the right path. Would that make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right. So one thing I want I want to loop back to is you you paused in the middle of your explanation. You've mentioned it twice now that having a mentor was game changing. Mm. So dig, I want to dig a little deeper on that. So you're, you're cruising along, then you decide to get a mentor or someone says, dude, you need a coach. You, I don't know. I guess it's a kind of a two part thing. What, what caused you to go get a mentor or a coach? And then why was it so um, earth shattering, game changing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I think for, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs or people who just want to think about what's the next 10 years of my life going to look like. Right. Mentors are a great resource and asset. So for me, the way that it happened, and again, it's kind of a part of my journey, I feel like. So I had been following, um, I kind of been following this guy, his name is Pele Top. 
Um, he was in LA and he, he ran an agency and he was doing work in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back in the early, the first half of my agency's history, I had a, you know, I've been doing, I was doing music before. And then I, and then later my team that I started to add on, we were doing album covers and, you know, shooting photo shoots and doing some of that like creative work and building websites and, you know, eventually doing different kinds of marketing and advertising. So it was just a big passion of mine, but I saw from a business standpoint, I thought, you know, getting into like the major label world, I kept kind of poking in there and I knew people and a little bit because I was in the Midwest at that time, I was a little bit more insulated, but I was watching Peleg and his, his agency, his firm was doing pretty, really amazing, like design work specifically for that industry. So later on, I was just kind of following him. And then I went to a conference at think it might have been the how magazine how business conference okay might have been the first one so he was doing a round table so i had a chance to get on that round table because i just wanted to like soak up everything this guy had to say yeah um and it was a great phenomenal round table and then after naturally i, I always go you know try to chat with somebody if i'm curious yeah. about what they said and we just struck up a conversation and had a lot of just the chatter, everything was great, you know? So I was like, yeah, let's keep in touch and da 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 da. And I got to kind of ask him my million dollar question of, you know, yeah, but is it basically a, a predatory, <laughs> not a place to be focusing agency energy on getting into for this and this reason, I think I already know. And he said something to the effect of, you're absolutely right. Just don't, you know, like right. find a better way. He said, we're we're moving into the nonprofit space. It's it's been great. I've gotten to do what I wanted to do. You know, he did. Uh, they did work for the Grammys at one point. He's like, I've done it, and I'm I'm ready to move on. Like it's not it's not worth your trouble. Hmm. Uh, and so I took that to heart. And then I went to another conference, and I think I had another chance to be in some sort of round table or something with him. And we had just kept in touch. And then later after that, he he I we traded emails and stuff and. He checked out what we were doing. I checked out stuff he'd send me. We traded music sometimes. And then uh, at some point he said, he emailed me and said he had basically sold his agency to his, given it to his employees and that he was done and he was going to start working alongside creative and marketing agency leaders um, and helping them. That's what he wanted to do for the next period of his, his life, you know, and, sure. and help them. So he's, he got, you know, sent me an email and said, Hey, I've got a slot open. I didn't know if you something you'd be interested in. And I said, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. and, I, and I was at this place trying to figure out how to evolve my own agency, my own business. And kind of like, I felt like we needed to make a, a big turn. We're working on a rebranding, big effort. And I just was trying to find that, that groove with all these pieces, I kind of, I, I was like right in the middle of all these pieces just swirling around me. Right. And he just helped me bring order to that without actually telling me to do anything. It was funny. He's like my, he was my, my sensei, my Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. You know, everything I'd ask, like, should I do this or should I do that? He would always answer it with like a question right. you know, that would lead me to the answer on my own, which is you know? It was like your marketing Yoda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that, so I worked, I got to work with him and do a mastermind group with a bunch of other agency owners and friend, now friends of mine. Over half of them actually have transitioned out of running an agency. So I think there's two of us left still doing that. But you know, some of these people I've still been in, I've, I'm still in touch with to this day. So that's phenomenal. Really cool it's, part of the. That's a cool story. How that came to be your mentor right it just kind of happened over time when it was yeah, part of his organic. journey yeah and then part very of your organic. journey and they just happened to mesh together you're like oh yeah this is a perfect time that's mm-hmm. awesome and just think if you hadn't gone to that round table yeah it probably would have never happened it had just been some guy that i thought there'd have been some guy that you've really been cool. you've been watching right <laughs> and it probably mm-hmm. and, and sadly during all that chaos it would have taken you longer. Probably you, I think you still would yeah. have got to where you are, but it just, you would have taken a different road. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A lot more, probably a lot more pain and time burn and maybe mis- mistakes, but right. you know, that's, that's something we try to bring to with our clients is like, look, you know, we can save you all of that pain and suffering because yeah. we know the way, you know, and uh, I, I, 
yeah, it was, it was definitely a invaluable part of my journey. And I even say, honestly, if I had never uh, connected with him in that way, I probably wouldn't be in Southern California. I wouldn't have expanded my business out to Los Angeles and moved out there. Mm. Um, Cause there was a lot of forces kind of against that, you know, sure. friend, uh, most of my friends stayed where we grew up, you know, in Kansas city. And so it was like a big deal. Like I went to LA and my best friend moved to Brooklyn and is still oh. there to this day after high school. Well, so we're like, the, I don't want to say we're the only two, but we're the a very small handful from my class that, uh, dispersed and <laughs> went for bigger things. So nice, nice. That's cool. An awesome story. Okay. So I, I appreciate your time and I want to be mindful of it, Pierre. I want to ask an entrepreneurial question. All right. So Please. we have, we have our folks out there starting, restarting, kickstarting their business. Some of them are already cashing checks and, you know, they're just listening to folks like you dropping knowledge. What's a, a tip would you want to give them? And it can be a tip in any arena of entrepreneurship that you know that you've learned through your entrepreneurial road rash. Do this, but don't do that, <laughs> or, or anything. I'm just leave it wide open for you. Okay. Um, I think one good one that I feel like comes up all the time for me is just you have to be a constant student. Mm, yeah. um, expect it. it really, if you're an entrepreneur, you're hopefully hearing me say that and going, well, well yeah, obviously, well, duh. <laughs> you know, obviously, but I think it's something I put out there to just encourage people because, you know, the world of brand and marketing and advertising and all these things is constantly changing. You know, we mm-hmm. call it the brand and marketing universe for a reason, because basically it's constantly expanding just yeah. like, you know, and so I think you have to really do your best to pay attention. I mean, I read stuff I read stuff I think I already know just to make sure that there's something I'm not missing in there right? so that we can be even more valuable to our clients and help them because I know they don't all have time to do that even if they are an entrepreneur or startup founder. Um, And so just helping them navigate that, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I at, at the most here have as much knowledge as I can from studying that sort of stuff. So I think same thing. I mean, medium.com is a treasure trove of fantastic information. I feel like it's more raw and real than the crap people put on like LinkedIn, by the way, I love LinkedIn, but um, (laughs) medium.com, you get more of the like, here's how I failed, you know, here's the $10 million failure, or here's how I failed to raise venture capital, or here's why my startup failed. Like those stories of corner turning, and it's not all failure. There's lots of great success too. Um, but I think really watching for those corner turns Mm -hmm. to me and to anybody who's a savvy business or entrepreneur person is like some of the most interesting things, you know, like to learn, like, yeah, you raised, you know, three rounds. That's, you probably knew somebody and it transpired, but like where, like, what's that thing? Like, what's that wave? You know, you asked me about surfing uh, before we started, which I, by the way, I'm planning on getting into bodyboarding is my way in. So um, I I like almost drowned when I was five on a family vacation. And so I have like a very godly fear of the ocean, Yes, but I respect it. And it gives me like grounding. Yeah. So, but I want my, you know, I want to learn. So I'm going to, that's my next, that's a bucket list. Well, I can, I can tell you that when you (laughs) ditch off of a surfboard, it's a lot easier than ditching off a skateboard. I'm, I'm yeah, put that out there. <laughs> I've heard. I have heard. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I think I think being that student, I think is really important. And, and, and a student also looks for leaders. And yeah. so I just would Agreed. encourage anybody, you know, even if you're like, I don't even get what you guys do or I get what you do and I can't afford a branding or marketing agency, even if you are for start, whatever, like just reach out and email me. You can chat with us on the site and you most likely will connect with me directly because that's something I special that I do that I just kind of, I like to do. So if you have a question about any of this stuff, like ask, ask a leader, ask somebody you respect, whether that's me or, you know, anybody, but ask those questions, you know, no is free. That's a great quote, right? Think about no, it. No, no is free or I'm busy is free, but like at least that. you ask. And I've, yes. I've asked people that I respect. I've been to sessions with like music composers for film that I really respect. Like I, I was at a, I got to talk with like Clint Manziel 
um, which I believe is, uh, he always works with Darren Aronofsky, saw him speak. And I just like found him at the end and I got a question in there. Nice. Like in the hallway, just like I did with Peleg, you know, that led to a conversation that led to, you know, something more. So like those types of things, if you can get a chance to get that jewel or that diamond of knowledge, or you never know where it could lead, you know? Um, and it's kind of like, I feel like entrepreneurship and running a business is also, uh, more so entrepreneurship is like kind of like a treasure hunt, you know, like got to get to the next thing. And you don't really necessarily know what that is until you get there and then you get that clue and then you go to the next thing and, you know, you're kind of working your way on a path. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot to find along the way. So, and that's also, I think you find evolution in that process of continuing to go, you know, hundred percent. All right. So if folks want help with their treasure hunt, and they want to reach out to you <laughs> and they want to reach out to Kurt and his team over at Hype Life Brands. Where are we going to send them to? Uh, you can do a few things. Number one, my direct email is Kurt, C-U-R-T at HypeLifeBrands.com, which is H-Y-P-E-L-I-F-E Brands.com. You can also visit our website at HypeLifeBrands.com, of course. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. Um, and then you feel free to message me there as well. Uh, just type in like Kurt C-U-R-T hype life. You should find me. Um, like I mentioned earlier, if you chat with us on the website, more than likely, I will actually be the one that will answer that because I like to connect directly. And, um, you know, if, if there's a question, I try to answer it just, you know, no, no intentions, but just like, here's how we do it. Or, Hey, maybe we should have a conversation on the phone, you know, because we can get a lot done in an hour and kind of explore this. And, you know, I can tell you how we would work with you and or what we how we might solve this problem of starting a new business or addressing some of the challenges in your current one from a marketing and brand advertising, whatever standpoint. So so those are the big places, you know, LinkedIn, uh, hypelifebrands.com or just email me direct Kurt at hypelifebrands.com. We'll be sure to get those links in the show notes so folks can just click right over and check out Kurt and all his goodness. Any final words? <laughs> uh, keep charging ahead. It's a new year. Um, I know 2020 was wild, but <laughs> be thankful. Be thankful that you know you're still standing and you're hopefully you're you're healthy and doing well. And uh, and hopefully we never go through that again. But keep those eyes looking forward and you know don't stop pursuing your passions at all ever. Keep going for it, y'all. All right, man, Kurt, thanks so much for your time, man. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you, Tracy. All righty, there you have it, my Dark Horse friends and family. Kurt Casino dropping millennial Southern California bombs on us. What ideas resonated with you? I got a few I want to share with you. Thought number one, start and start now. Kurt shared how he started early in his entrepreneurial journey selling cards that he made on the computer to his friends and family. Later, he started a mowing business and even started an independent record company. I believe that alone gave him a leg up. Why? Well, because it gave him the experience with the starts and stops that come with the journey in entrepreneurship and the mindset and the self-management that comes with all of that. Something I think so many neglect to consider when they step into the entrepreneurial ring. So Wednesday, I want to dive a bit more into this in episode 205, how to avoid the starting the stopping of your business with some ideas and the tactics to help you with this entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, tackling and shift. Thought number two, find your passion. You see, if you remember, after Kurt started his independent record label, he started to see his passion for the creative and the branding side of the business. He remembered always being that kid tearing apart the CD jewel case and break it down, you know, investigating the packaging and finding the gems inside. Uh, It began fostering his passion for bringing a unique and creative presentation to what could be called an intangible idea. So what are your passions? What drives you? What pushes you? What keeps you curious and moving towards everything you desire? Do you even know what that is or that it exists? So there are many questions here. And on Friday, I want to hit you with episode 206, questions to ask to find your passion in life and in business. Thought number three, dump the money pit 
Everything has to evolve. We've all heard the lesson of focusing on the revenue generating tasks. I think Kurt took this up a level when he found that the record level portion of his business was becoming a bit of a money pit. So like I mentioned last week in episode 203, lessons every entrepreneur entrepreneur must learn. He adapted. We have to adapt. He adapted and spun off the creative revenue positive piece of his business and thus Hype Life Brands was born. What are you stuck in, right? What money pit are you stuck in right now? Where do you need to evolve? Go back and check out episode 203 and and see if maybe it's inside one of those lessons that you as an entrepreneur must learn. Thought number four, know not just who you're targeting, but why. Kurt knows not only what key in his business are targeting, which is millennials, but he knows why they're targeting him. See, it's one thing to be targeting a given group of people for your product or service just because you know they'll buy it. But if you can dig a level deeper and know why you're targeting, then my friend, you can dig in and differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack. You can break out and lead the pack. You can come in, win, place, or show. Go past just where they live and what their age is, etc. Dig into the next level. What are their values, their hobbies, their buying attitude, their buying habits, their attitudes on relevant topics, their motivators, and of course, you're going to want to know the competition. What economic shifts are they seeing that are relevant to you and your product and your service? Now, with all these bits of information, you can come up with these unique hooks. You can come up with a number of hooks that get their attention. You can come at them with a a fresh and relevant new angles that the competition isn't even thinking of. But your potential customer? Yeah, they certainly are. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, what inspiring tips and thoughts resonated with you? Hmm? Think about it for a quick second. Yeah, whatever they were, take some time today and write them down. Then get out there and put them into action. Get out there, run your race, get your results, and then come let me hear about them. You can email me at Tracy at Dark Horse Schooling, share the tips or ideas that you came away with, how you put them in action, and what results you gained from them. Heck, I'll probably even bring you on the show so you can share your story and we even plug your business with you at the same time. Now, Next week's interview episode guest is Kenny Lee Lewis. Now, many of you may know him as the bass guitarist, producer, and songwriter. He's been with the Steve Miller Band since 1982, where he wrote such classics as Abracadabra, Fly Like an Eagle, Jet Airliner, and so many more. Kenny's also an author, and he stepped into the entrepreneurial business with his own online business. Now, I don't want you to miss this chat. You're not going to want to miss this chat with this American icon. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and the awesome stories from the amazing guests I'm lucky enough to bring on to this podcast. So please, I know you're getting value, right? Please go on down there. Hit that subscribe button. Why are you there? Yeah, go ahead. Leave us a five-star rating. You know, drop in a few kind words in the reviews. Hey, ask a question. I read every one of these reviews. I definitely will make sure to answer those questions on future episodes and maybe even some suggestions for who you'd like to have appear on the show. And of course, do not keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share the podcast with entrepreneurs and business owners that you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.